It's STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast, Season 2, Episode 18, and this one's all over the galaxy. <laughs> the acknowledgement that the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. Worf will wax poetic. It's only in Klingon that love poetry achieves its fullest flower. And Riker gets his ass zapped. We haven't seen Riker get zapped all season. He still has it, man. Get ready to climb. Up the long ladder. It's coming at you right about now. Hey, Andrew, how do you feel about doing a podcast about Star Trek The Next Generation? Especially if the episode is about offensive stereotypes of Anglo-European peoples. Hey, welcome everybody to STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. Did you know that I am Commander Dave E. Dave? And did you know that I am Ambassador Andrew? And we are hosting this little Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast, and we are working our way through season two. Two. We're almost done with season two because it is an abbreviated season. Right. We're on episode 18, if you can believe it. And that, you know what that is, Andrew? It's almost 18 entities that we've encountered this this, this season. And I got to tell you, I was relieved that we are entity-less this this episode really i was begging for an entity Uh-oh. i gotta be honest with you this 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 was uh you want to recap this bad boy before i recap i want to uncap oh my god oh my god Yay. up the long ladder what a title what a title i'm gonna pop my um Ooh, ouch. yeah all right hey let's do it man here is the summary you have asked for dave starfleet tasks the enterprise to respond to a distress signal from a forgotten Earth colony endangered by those darn solar flares. They have no choice, Dave, but to beam the colony and all its stock aboard the Enterprise to relocate them, and lo and behold, the colony is filled to the barrel head with Irish stereotypes and farm animals. When the leader of the these people known as the... Bring Br- Lodi, man! Bring Lodi! Danilo Odell. All right. Asks, so when this guy, when when Odell asks oh about the my God. colony, Picard's like, what fellow colony? What are you talking about? And then the Enterprise discovers Mariposa, a colony populated with, you ready for this, Dave? No, yes. Clones. 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 Mariposa teeters on the brink of extinction oh. as their limited genetic stock has reached a dead end. But when they ask the Enterprise crew if they're feeling generous enough to donate some of their own DNA, Riker and company swiftly refuse. You can't have any of our spooge. So we have a ship filled with the Irish cast of a Green Acres remake, (laughs) a planet full of sterile fading clones, and Picard losing his shit in the cargo bay. All this and a fainting wharf on this exciting episode of STTNG's Not another Star Trek podcast. This episode is a clusterfuck. This episode. I'm not even going to say dog's breakfast. I'm not wasting dog's breakfast. Oh my God, we're back to this dog's breakfast. I know. I'm not wasting it. I'm not wasting it on this clusterfuck. Don't you think that'd be the best name for like a cereal? Dog's breakfast is cereal. I totally eat that. It was made up of other cereal brands, right? That's good. So you got like Frosted Frakes and Frakes. Frosted Jonathan Frakes, Ferengi Flakes, P- 
Pippius Puffs. Oh, yeah, Pippius Puffs. Pippius, Pippius Puffs. What about Special Q? Oh. What about gluten-free Wheaton Wheaties? Yeah, no, no, Will Wheaties. The Breakfast of Champions. Oh, oh wait, wait, Andrew, I, can I do a little uh, uh, housekeeping for a moment? Sure, keep that house. Okay, because the thing is, as we've been editing these episodes over the last many, many months, I keep hearing myself say some things that are wrong. I just want to point them out to everybody that I know they're wrong, okay? So if anybody's got a problem with that, I understand. I keep referring to a long shot. I'm calling a master shot a long shot. And it's not. there's not really a long shot in cinematography there's a wide shot okay there's a wide angle there's a long take okay dave but there's not a long shot i just wanted to note that and also uh, another note is i keep using this term uh, i'm going to shoot laser beams and it's really bugging the shit out of me every time i hear it and i don't know i'm saying it but i understand they're phaser blasts and so i'm going to do my best for the rest of the season not to use the the term laser beams okay I, I'm not going to shoot All any right. laser hey, I, I'd appreciate that. I got to tell you, it's been eating me up inside. Oh, oh, oh. But not as much as the millions of mistakes and uh, that I make, you, you know, stumbling over words, calling things the wrong thing, and a lot of times saying the exact opposite of what I actually think. <laughs> so to anyone who's been listening to this entire show, just take everything I've said and just believe the opposite, because that's what I actually meant. Yeah, this episode starts off with um, tummy trouble. Uh, Worf is standing on the bridge and he's got a grumbly tummy and he's like, yes. stuff's going on and they and they have this shot of Worf and he's like, we get, so we're made to believe that this is going to be a Worf episode, a what's wrong with Worf. And I got to tell you, I was when I started watching this, I was thinking, man, if this is like a Worf being sick all episode, I'm going to be really bored by this. <laughs> I have an upset stomach, indigestion and diarrhea. <laughs> I need some Klingon Tums. <laughs> some crumbs. This is kind of like the background story, but it's at the foreground at this point. And it's discovered by Pulaski that he's got the uh, Klingon measles, I think, or the Klingon mumps or something. It, like it's that. called Rupnor. R-O-P apostrophe N-G-O-R. This is such a, a dumb moment because they actually used the suspense music. Right. Like, this is going to be a big deal. Like, we're in trouble here. You know, uh-oh, something's wrong with Worf. And then it just turns out. Because they find him on the floor. We find him after we go into we go into Picard's office and they come back out. And there he is laying on the floor in a full medical alert. So we have this sort of moment of suspense with, with Worf. Then they go into the ready room where Picard tells the dullest story possible. It's like, oh, I just got back from a meeting with an admiral, and you know what the admiral said to me, number one? No, Captain, what? He said there's a distress signal. What do you think? Listen. Uh, I think it probably is a distress <laughs> signal, Captain. Listen to this, number one. Tell me what you think. Listen, listen. And then it's like, and then number one's like, uh, sounds like an SOS. I got to be honest with you. I stopped paying attention. <laughs> no, you, because no. it was so boring. It's yet attention. another distress call. But Dave, it's another distress call. I get it. Why do they have to surround it with the most tedious exposition? I, it's this is supposed to be our teaser. I know this is in the beginning, and he's like, oh, good call, Riker. You you picked that one up right away. SOS, we haven't heard any of those before. But the, the, this is this is about as exciting as the time that they beam down to whatever the hell planet. I guess it was uh, with Reva 
and they just sort of ended up hanging out in the foyer. <laughs> I love it. And that was your dramatic buildup. Yeah. I know, I know. Dun, dun, dun. And there's a, the music, you know, it comes to a crashing end, and then they're looking out on a wall. We've had these weird openings like this. It's funny because they seem not to know what to do in the beginning sometimes, which is weird because the original series was really good about this. I mean, they, they hooked you right at the beginning. I think sometimes they try to do too much in the next gen openings because we got we got Worf, we've got this story that they're trying to set up, which is really going to be the core story of what this episode is about. And there's this back and forth stuff between Picard and Riker, and and they're also trying to inject some character building because this is when this is when Picard tells him, you know, he's really good at picking up SOS signals, but he's like, you 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 must read more Earth history, number one. He's not. And, and what exactly? What what book are you supposed to read? Right. I thought that was a dumb thing to say. You should read more Earth history. And, and the Earth history is what, like the history of signals. Right. Well, he read weird beeps you might hear in space. I read that part, Captain. But that's why we have the twenty first century expert on the ship. I don't have to read all that stuff. Oh, it was that thing with the hegemony? Let me tell you a few things about Earth history, Riker. They had the hegemony, which was this European Union, after all the bullshit that went along after World War Three. Remember World War Three? I, I never heard of it. They pronounce it hegemony. Hegemony. Uh, I know it's hegemony, <laughs> but they pronounce it hegemony. They say distress beacon used by the Europe. Oh, it's, it's the computer. Distress beacon used by the European hegemony. And then Riker says, the European hegemony. That must And then Picard gives you the expository, right. like, you know, a loose alliance formed in the early part of the 20th century. Remember, remember oh, your oh, history. 22nd century. The, the, you dumbass. It's right next to the parliament. Remember that? <laughs> parliament. Yes, yes. People left. Uh, the, the idea was people were leaving Earth after it turned into a real uh, uh, mess and going off into space, and some people wanted to go off and live like a simpler life on another planet. And Did you notice when they looked at the, the, the ship Mariposa, it was the same class of ship as Khan's ship, the Botany Bay from the original series oh, from Space Seed? Yes. Oh. I mean, I, I will always remember the outline of that ship, oh, that, first of all, because what? of that episode, but also because it looks like a submarine. But that's pretty cool. It would be cool if they had done something with it. Like, it turned out to be another race full of, you know, these hyper-perfectionist gene maniacs. Well, Con but instead... Well, in the Star Trek canon, Khan is coming from, I think, 1997 or something, right? And there's already been a war for the superhumans. They've been genetically altered. No, isn't aren't aren't they imprisoned there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Aren't they, they yeah, sent they go, up in suspended animation? Yeah, you're right. You're right. They instead, I guess, instead of killing them, they send them off to cause mischief in outer space. Well, it's one of those freeze and forget kind of things. You know, it's like when you when you when you have uh, you have like some bad takeout, right. and you, you it gives you a heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, or diarrhea. And you stick it in the back of the refrigerator and you just don't think about sure, it. Sure, sure. And then maybe two weeks later, you're really hungry and you find it and you take it out and you eat it. That's like con. Yeah, sometimes we, we do like, you know, we'll have a once a year. Let's clean out the freezer and see what's in there. And, and you know, you get a you get a baggie full of uh, 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 Ricardo Montalban right at the back. <laughs> so that's so anyway, he's got the measles. I mean, I actually like this kind of stuff on the show. And I wish I wish the show was a little bit different in some ways. I wish there was more of this kind of character building stuff because this scene was actually pretty nice 
or there's two scenes between Pulaski, the doctor, and Worf. Are you still talking about that Riker and Picard scene? No, no, I'm talking about. I thought you were going for. Oh, Measles thank God, now. because that, that no, that that thing was boring as hell, and I, I was you're, <laughs> no. you're saying oh, it's a nice character scene. So we, yeah. so they. News. So after the uh, the credit roll and the Alpo, uh, after the Wendy's commercial, where's the space beef? If you were worried for the safety of Worf for the last three minutes while you're watching the commercials, you were instantly put at ease because he's upright, he's in good shape, and the doctor's talking to him, and we realize that he just has a case of some kind of juvenile disease that Klingons were supposed to have, but he didn't get it, and now he has his adult, so he's kind of embarrassed about it. And it's actually a nice moment for Pulaski right. simply because she covers for him, and she's not a jerk about it. Yes. She's not like, I have to tell the captain what happened or anything. She's like, nah, nah, nah. Okay, I'll help you out. So she's kind of cool here, which I appreciate. You may remember in Pen Pals, Worf said that thing about you know the, the Prime Directive is an absolute, and Pulaski said, well, that's cowardly. Right. right in front of his face. So she realizes that he's embarrassed and it's going to mess around with his sense of honor if people know that he got this, whatever, measles, even though it, nobody right. nobody else on the ship gives a shit about it because there aren't any other Klingons no. on the ship. And and very few of these people seem to have any feelings about anything anyways. But then Picard calls in and he goes, <laughs> uh, Doctor, how's my favorite head of security doing, Doctor? How's my favorite brow of security doing? <laughs> I was worried sick about him. You could see it in my face when I came in the room and had that blank expression when I saw him on the floor. <laughs> oh, has anybody ever, anybody on the ship ever gone like, oh my God, is, is Worf okay? nobody has a reaction data has the most human reaction of all of them he he has to summon up the doctor go like we better get him down to medical she covers for him and it's cute and then he returns with this tea ceremony as a thank you you know okay it's fine it's a tea ceremony not much to say about it except it's weird that klingons have a tea ceremony like they're like you know it's it's a very asian kind of thing to have like a tea ceremony. But, but Andrew, 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 it's a Klingon tea ceremony. A Klingon tea tray. And he has Klingon tea cups. And he makes some <laughs> Klingon oolong He's or so whatever. Cute. And Pulaski has to give herself an injection because it's supposed to be poison. The thing I didn't tell you, doctor, is that the tea is not only poisonous to humans, but it's 50% targ piss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you made you made the two people on this podcast very happy. <laughs> Careful, doctor. This tea has quite a head on it, if you know what I mean. It's foamy. I brewed it up myself. I ate a lot of asparagus before I made this tea for you. Oh my god. Then then Worf brings up this Klingon love poetry. Is it love poetry or just poetry? No, it's love poetry. So so Pulaski says you're such a romantic. Right. And he's like, you know, oh, it was only in Klingon that you get your love poetry there. It doesn't go any further than this. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard about. Well, she Pulaski's cool because Pulaski knows the ceremony. So she's honored that Worf would would come and, and ask her to participate in it. Mm-hmm. I wish they're doing more of this stuff with Worf because this is the kind of stuff we were talking about a number of episodes ago in a matter of honor. We've got this alien on the ship. It would be cool to have people appreciate his non-Earth ways more and, and have an insight into what it's like to live 
in the future as this alien. And and Worf says it's it's only in Klingon that love poetry achieves its fullest flower, which in itself is is a pretty flowery statement. Right. But it's nice because it goes back to Star Trek Six, where they have that discussion about Shakespeare being Klingon, right? And oh that comes God. up every now and again. <laughs> yeah. Like it's only on Klingon does this reach its you know right. you've never experienced Shakespeare until you've heard it in the original Klingon or something I like that. I like that stuff. And I love stuff like that. I do too. Uh, that's the stuff I'd like to have more of. I mean, I, I don't think anybody made fun of him one time in this episode, and that's what I want to see. And then I get some of these scripts land with him being like this, where he's more sensitive or he's less angry. Right. But then we've had a number of these episodes over the season where he's just so pissed off and ready to jump down people's throats and yelling at the boy and, and doing stuff that's just not very friendly. And it's great to see him not playing it so angry what bothers me though about this episode the most is that they hint at the klingon love poetry but we never hear it apparently there was supposed to be a scene where Worf recites some poetry but they cut it and honestly i want to hear this klingon love poetry but i'm thinking about heart of glory where we have chorus and chorus (laughs) has that whole flowery you know successory talk right and so okay so what's this love poetry sound like right Achieve full tumescence with your pleasure stick. I'm a horny Klingon who loves a buxom chick. That's good. I love how you're making it like these Irish limericks because that really ties into what happens next. Yeah, that's what it, 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 it sticks with the episode. Right. There once was a Klingon from Nantucket whose pain stick was so long. The blood of my enemy doth flow on my hands. It inflames my Klingon glands. <laughs> That's where I was going. Thank you. That's where you. Yep. 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 Oh, I can't. I just. I'm not. I'm not in the mood to think of raunchy things to say tonight for some reason. I don't know why. What's wrong with you? What have you done with Dave? <laughs> <laughs> this whole sequence, these scenes in this character building, crashes to a quick stop when it runs into the other part of the script. Well, I have to say, I I was uh, expecting, because I remembered this episode for the Brinloidy, of course, because it's it's so absurd. I didn't remember the resolution of the the clone plot, so I was kind of thinking that this Worf measles thing was going to come back up again. Like, somehow, his, his, his ripe Klingon urine would would stoke the loins of the Mariposans and have them break their 300 years of celibacy. (laughs) But it just didn't happen. It didn't go anywhere. What happens, though, is that this distress signal is coming from these Briolians, right? The the bring these Irish people. You said the the Briolians. What did I say? Okay, Bringolians. Bringlody. Yeah, so the Bringlody have set this, and I think it's an automated distress signal, and it goes out and the enterprise realizes that their planet is going to be hit by these solar flare-ups that are solar flares i swear well those suns man they're trouble and it's gonna apparently destroy all life on the planet they say hey we better go down and rescue these people right picard sends number one down there and picard is so impatient he's like we gotta go he's gotta go pal let's just get them all up here and he's like uh captain i need to go i don't want to hear it number one 
Get them up here. This is going on to the communicators. Yes. Picard's like, tick-tock, the clock is ticking, number one. Come, 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 come on. Cluck, cluck, cluck. Enough of your jibber-jab, number one. Get your ass up here. Enough of your gum grease. Gum grease? It sounds like your mouth after you eat a bowl of a dog's breakfast. <laughs> sounds like your mouth after that Klingon tea ceremony. <laughs> It'd be great if Pulaski's like, Worf, um, you know, leaves, because they cut it, you know, they're in the middle of ceremony mm. when they cut. She's been holding it in her mouth the whole time and has to go running to the bathroom. And- <laughs> yes, spit take. Because she has this look on her face. So she injects herself with something so that she can tolerate this poison, but she does play it as if it's still kind of poisoning her. Right, right. It, it would have been funny if she just had to run right to the bathroom. And, and I, I know we're obsessed with the bathroom on our podcast, but I got to tell you something, Andrew. I'm very excited when we get to it is because it's coming up. This is the closest we have ever gotten on this show to an actual bathroom. I don't know if you saw it. I got so excited. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. But to get, first, right, we, before, get that. we, we, we got to talk about these people. First. Oh, I know. I know. I, you know what? My response, the first time I saw these people, and I remember this episode yeah. clearly, the first time I saw it, I said to myself, and I quote, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I know. How painful is this? You know, it's bad. It's we're talking about 1989, and because what you're talking about is this portrayal of these Irish people, and it's all these stereotypes. And just as a refresher for everyone, and for people that might not have been around at this point, this was stuff that went on all the time, and it was still something that you'd see on TV shows where you could goof on certain really extreme characteristics of different groups of people. And for some reason, Italian people and Irish people were kind of the last people that were okay to make fun of. And don't forget Jewish people and Asians. And so you would often have this stuff in the 70s and 80s where you'd have you know, here they are for no apparent reason. They're, I mean, they're just as Irish as Jean Luc is uh, uh, British and and French because they're so removed from. They're three hundred years from their ancestors, but they've somehow evolved to have these Irish accents and these Irish stereotypes. They've gotten Irisher, right? They're out of an Irish Spring commercial. I don't know if you oh, remember yeah. those commercials. I love those. Manly, yes, but I like it too. It's, that soap it's... smelled so funny. That would have been a great commercial that they could have broke. There could have been an Irish Spring commercial. <laughs> For all we know, they did. This is like Darby O'Gill and the Little People in the 24th century. I mean, this guy comes up here with his little cap on and his little scarf, and he's wearing his corduroy right. and his rough clothes. You know, oh, Saint Migora. Oh, Captain. Oh, it's good to see you, Faith. He's like, where's me pot of gold you'll never get me lucky charms captain i mean it's just so insulting and the fact that he didn't whip out a fiddle at some point and they all start getting into a a jig or they start doing remember when river dance was big oh my god and that whole river dance thing yes i'm so happy that i never was on the other side of river dance like sometimes you did things when you're younger and you're embarrassed about them i never saw river dance and said I have got to get into that. I never said, hey, let's watch these guys <laughs> dancing around on stage when they don't move their goddamn arms around. No, I well, okay, so river dance is one of these things that became like wildly popular yeah. at some point where this guy Michael Flatley, who they later called the Lord of the Dance. The Lord, Lord of the Dance. 
performance, number the lard, one. The lard of the dance. And, and the idea is, yeah, you don't move your arms. You keep them stiff at your side. Kind of, It's kind of like a modified tap dance. Yeah, it's like. And there's a lot of hopping around and clicking and such. And it's fun to watch. Like the first couple of times you see it, you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. But, I, but I, oy, I know, is uh, what I'm saying is I'm sure there's talent to it. I'm just saying like the idea of me getting into a car, spending $50, driving to a place to see it, sitting in the theater for three hours and watching people dance around on stage with just their legs. I just think that would have been murder. <laughs> I'm so glad I never did that. All right, and it's yeah. They look like they look like marionettes, right? I mean, they look like they're suspended right. on strings, and it, it's amazing to watch. And I think being in a theater where like there's 20 people on stage, you know, would probably be really exciting. But I don't want to do it. Yeah, I, I don't know why we went off on that weird tangent, but well, because I was because they're Irish, okay, yeah, you know, yeah. and that was like a big Irish phenomenon. So some of the other things that apparently Irish space people have are lots of animals. Yes, they're these kind of yokel esque people who are supposed to be rural and I don't know, kind of dim witted and very involved with creating stills distilleries yes lots of hay to yeah lots of hay and to to make their own alcohol because they want to get drunk and the dad or the leader of the colony he's got like this red kind of he's got like a red nose i mean he's made to look like he's played by an actor named barry ingram who's an old british character actor and i'm gonna blow your mind right here all right this was yet another guy they considered to play Picard. And I want you to imagine this dude as Picard. This is our second known Picard, right? Yes. Who's appeared in the show. We've already had Mitchell Ryan, uh, Mini Driver's dad from Gross Point Blank, uh, was a contender for the Picard role. And apparently it was down between him and Patrick Stewart. This was just a guy they looked at. It's hard to imagine this guy. I mean, this guy is a fine actor. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a great role he's playing, so it's a bummer, but he's doing it well. He's, he's playing a type yeah. of character that you've seen a, a million times in movies and TV. Is this drunk Irish dude. I also want to imagine his daughter, played by Rosalind Lander, Brenna. I want to imagine her as Troy. That's the show I want to see right now. I want to see Danilo O'Dell, played by Barry Ingram, being Picard, and Brenna as Troy. And he's just just like, you know, on the bridge, drunk, maybe asleep. Right. And she's like, Dad, Father! Or what what the fuck she call him? Pa, wake up! Yeah. Get up! Get up, Dad! Put down your maga brew and and put out your pipe and fight the Klingons! (laughs) His daughter's like this fiery i mean i'm sure if they could have cast a red-haired actress in this role they would have mm-hmm. but she plays this fiery angry hot-headed you know stereotype of an irish woman and again she's a good actor she does a good job with the nonsense they're giving her it's played so broadly and in doing my research for this episode and learning that the person who wrote this originally wanted it to be a discussion of immigration yes. and immigration issues. And then they made it Irish because one of the guys that work on the show is Irish. And it's like, oh, my God, you you lost all subtlety here. It is as bad as Code of Honor in the sense that it just falls back on these really awful stereotypes. Any nuance to the plot is just destroyed. Of course, this lands less offensive than Code of Honor did. This is a group that you could still goof on back in 1989. And it's also funny for a show that supposedly talks about the fact that we're no longer interested in money. Right. They really goofed on that guy back in Neutral Zone, the capitalist. I mean, we were like, God, we don't care about money anymore. Here are these people who are, are 
not as as clean and polished and shiny as the Enterprise crew. They're much more rustic, let's say, right. and we're made to feel that there's something wrong with them because they're actually farmers who live off the land and they're not so obsessed with wearing spandex jumpsuit. Right. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we talked about the Borg being different from the Enterprise crew because they were kind of dirty and rough. Right. These people are also dirty and rough, but we're supposed to like really look down on them. For I it. know. It, it is a weird class lens to this thing. And what I keep bumping up against in this season, I mean, I just can't figure it out. I cannot identify with the crew of the Enterprise. They They're making it so that I keep seeing these future people as people that are not like me. Like, I, I keep looking at them going, yeah, I, I like them. I want to try to understand what it's like to be Picard or Jordy or, or Deanna Troy. But I just can't because they don't have any emotions and, they're, and they're, their rules are so different from ours. And so when you have them come up against these people who are more like us, I would identify with these fools more than the Enterprise crew. Then it's like, well, what are you saying about us back here in the 20th century? Well, and especially because they're going to get juxtaposed with the Mariposans. And we're supposed to yeah. look down on the Mariposans, too, or judge those people harshly because they have abandoned all natural impulses. So somehow the Enterprise crew, they're supposed to be the middle part, right? right? They're supposed to be the great compromise yeah, because Riker clearly has not given up his his carnal pleasures for 300 years. Riker can't even give up his carnal pleasures for 300 minutes. Oh, oh my God. So this guy is is just a, a walking erection. Let's talk about that, and let's talk about Brenna, Brenna and Riker. This is in the beginning. They beam them in, and they're, they're uh, swarming with chickens and livestock, and they just can't have this. So Picard right. says, beam the rest of these people directly into the cargo bay. Right. Picard and Riker go and join them down there, and they see all this nonsense going on, and then here comes Brenna. Mm -hmm. Picard and Riker take a look at her and go, what? <laughs> and it's like, this is so 1989, what's happening, because that just uh, I, I... we're supposed to identify with the expressions on their face. They just, like... Uh, Picard's jaw drops when he sees her, and he's like, holy, yeah. look, Will, look, check this shit out. You'll never believe this. <laughs> this one has something on Minuet for sure, and she's real too. At first, the way they play Picard, it seems like he's like taken by her, but I think it's just kind of dated you know, photography for covering a scene like this. Like you have him kind of just ogling her but really it's it, it's a setup for Riker to hit on this person who's right. really kind of the leader of this colony yeah and there's that great moment where Picard and Riker are leaving and Riker's like I, I think I'll go help her right meaning Brenna and and Picard has that look on his face like yeah whatever I got stuff to right. do I've got to command a whole <laughs> ship you do whatever you do Riker I thought that was funny because it, it made me realize that there's a lot of free time on the ship yeah, isn't he on duty? I mean, doesn't he have to like help co-pilot this damn ship? And we keep hearing how important it is that he is second in command on this ship, and he can just go hook up with some woman mid-shift whenever he wants to. Yeah, sir. Like I've got the calm. 
You take a much Listen. take a much needed break. Listen, Captain McCart, do I need to remind you that my contract specifically states I get at least half an hour every shift to have unprotected sex with an alien? But and it, it's called the Kirk Clause. Yeah, and again, he's supposed to be our stand-in for Kirk, and I, I got to believe at this point that Riker's hooked up with more women than you know Shatner ever did. <laughs> it, it's also awful because this woman is is put on display. She has this bare midriff, and it's like. I don't well, even want to call it the midriff because it's like more than the I midriff. I, I, there's a warning on this episode that there's sexual content. I'm like on Star Trek, and then yes, and, yes. and you see this because Riker takes she's she's dirty because they have they brought all of their filth onto the ship with them, and she wants to go. Where can a lady right. go wash her feet? And so Riker, of course, doesn't take her to you know the gym or any of. The, there's got to be some kind of like bath or a massage level of the ship or something like that. They don't go to any of those places. He takes her back to his messy apartment. Well, wait, 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 wait. Because you first he takes her on a tour of the ship. There's something like Ensign with a, with a broom, like who's have to program a Roomba to follow her around on the ship. Come on, follow me. Well, what's funny is that he tells her and they don't need to clean up the mess because the ship will take care of it themselves, which is really funny because then she goes to Riker's room, and when she gets to Riker's room, it's a total mess. <laughs> and it's, it's a total mess. By by ship, we mean this Henson right over here. Right. <laughs> we mean we mean Sonia Gomez. Right. Ever since she spilled chocolate on the captain, she's been on right. uh, cleanup detail. Send down command the ship. She'll clean it up. <laughs> Where's that delightful Gomez in her hot chocolate hands? <laughs> I told you, Go- Gomez, you'll be working down on level 22 at the Enterprise Petco. It's a natural <laughs> transition. Someday you'll get your own captain ship, I'm sure. But but you're going to have to start somewhere on the ship, and it's Petco. But yeah, they get to, to Riker's place, and Riker's place is a pigsty because you know he's a bachelor, and he just doesn't have time. It's never looked she's like, like who looks after you? And it's like... Yeah, right. The last time we saw him leering at the harp players right. and all that, or when he had those folks over to make eggs, yeah, it's never been game, right? like, yeah, right. It's never been a mess except now. But <laughs> so she has to start cleaning up. M. Zotti, do you want me to come and clean your apartment up today before <laughs> you hook up with the next alien? Because she's not doing very much on the ship anyway. So maybe he asked Troy to come over and clean up his apartment for him. I sense your apartment is really dirty. And you're hoardy. Yeah, she's got the room right above him on one deck above. So she can really uh, catch his vibe. So she and, and then she says this thing to him like this is this do you is not like girls. Brenna. Brenna, yeah. Says there's something wrong, William. Do you not like girls? And I laughed out loud. <laughs> Does a targ shit in the hollow deck? I mean, this guy is a walking space hard on. Does he not like girls? Do I like what? <laughs> there's a girl I don't like. And I, I particularly like girls with a, a bare midriff. So so they're in his room, right? This is the part that I was so excited about in the beginning of our episode. This is as close as we get to the space bathroom on the ship, okay? Yeah. Because he's yes. insinuating that she can wash her feet in here. And I was like, oh, my God. And he points to the room where the bathroom is. And I'm like, thank you. There's a bathroom in this goddamn cabin somewhere. I mean, I, I just I, I couldn't really imagine that we we're going to see the bathroom, but but it was implied that Riker actually has a bathroom in his cabin. It was so close. But what's crazy is that I swear to God, she's already wearing this. You can already see her stomach and she takes off this 
yeah, this yeah, bottom yeah. thing that she's wearing, right? And she's practically like it. It's so close to you, us, the w- viewers, being able to see more than we should on 1989 television. Yes, her, her pubis. Yeah, it's. And I was like, what the heck is happening on this show? There wasn't a lot left to the imagination at that point. It it, it is like you know the 24th century Baywatch. This is as close as we're going to get to, like, you know, Bikini Babes to Since the Justice Planet. Right. But this is definitely the most revealing thing I've seen so far on this series. And then again, here we've got Riker hooking up with somebody he just met. I just don't understand where the first contact stuff comes into play and the prime directive and all of this. Like, what is going on? Like, doesn't he have to check this shit with? Uh, HR or with the prime directive goes straight out the window in this episode too, because when, when Picard mashes the, the bring Lloydy with the Mariposans and, and forces those two societies together. I, I, I was really like prime directive. Can you really do that? They've been in 300 years of isolation building their own societies and they they seem to be polar opposites. I know. I know. Let's push them together on a planet and see how that works out. I know. I, the only thing I could think of, was that since these were originally Earth people, that the Prime Directive didn't apply to them, and that they were... I, I mean, the show was making this con- conceit. Like, they're from Earth, so we can throw it out the window. It would have been nice if that was the case, if they could have noted that somewhere. Because we just had uh, many, many episodes of people you know, wringing their hands about the Prime Directive. And this is why I keep saying I, I would have rather they didn't have the Prime Directive at all, because... It, it keeps being a problem or it keeps being forgotten. It's kind of like Troy's powers. You know, sometimes they they exist and sometimes they don't. And and fairly contemporaneous with Star Trek The Next Generation were all these shows that were predicated on putting strangers together, right, in a space yeah. like the real world, Big Brother, etc., you know, Survivor, all these ideas of taking people... Different strokes. ...who live... Right. <laughs> The acknowledgement that the world don't move to the beat of just one drum, that what might be right for you may not be right for some, but but that this whole this whole thing so contemporaries, but one happens to come from Texas and wear a cowboy hat, right. and one comes from New York City, and they can't get along. What in God's name makes you think that these two cultures, you could just mash them together, especially one as far gone as the Mariposans, which we haven't talked about yet. They're so boring. Well, I mean, my God, I, I know they are boring, and but that is actually where some of the actual gosh darn action happens in this episode. There were a couple moments when we get to the Mariposans, as we're getting to them now. The, Picard figures out that there's another manifest from another ship that's colonizing another planet. Well, Odell, I'm sorry, Odell brings it up, and then they're like, "There's another colony." And it's Data who figures out, look, I tracked down a manifest. I was able to put the pieces together that way. It's Data who figures it out. Command the Data. He provided the Data. So he did what Rika did to Brenna in his room. Talk about leaving some genetic code. <laughs> so then they go off and they, they want to figure out where this other ship went and colonized and what happened to this civilization. And they go to this Mariposan planet and these people yes. decided to focus on tech instead of uh, Irish country living. 
Uh, they wanted to avoid the next space potato famine, I guess. They recognized that tubers are a viable foodstuff, but they weren't willing to build their culture around it. Is that what you're trying to say? Something like that. And they were sick of that dancing where you don't move your hands around. So, unfortunately, <laughs> their original colonizing ship, their their own version of the Botany Bay, had a space accident yes. and only five of the colonists survived. And instead of giving up the ghost, they decided to start cloning. Right. So for 300 years, using the genetic stock of five people, they've been cloning up a storm. And and fine, but this this, <laughs> this moment where they discover it, right? Like you, you see all these triplets and quadruplets and all this. Yeah. And this exchange with Granger, Pulaski, and Riker, where Pulaski says, clones, and Riker says, clones, and Granger says, Clones. No, it's like oh, so they're clones. It's good, you know. It's a funny bit of writing because, as as kind of clunky as other parts of this teleplay are, that is a funny series of lines because they're actually cloning the word clones in the dialogue. Oh, you're so meta. But it's just a funny bit of humor in in kind of a humorless situation. I mean, it's not a funny situation. What's happening? These people are cloning themselves, and then Pulaski is very aware that their genetic stock, as as she calls it, is going to run out soon. Yes. And so are they. Replicative fading. It's the new hairstyle uh, of the 24th century. <laughs> it's the replicative fade, number one. So they're Xeroxing Xeroxes of Xeroxes is what I was thinking. And what was interesting is they actually got some like triplets uh, uh, to play the different clones. Yeah, quadruplets too, people, I think. They, they don't get any lines. Yeah. They don't get any credit, and they really don't deserve it either because <laughs> they're the most affectless. You might as well have gotten just like a bunch of mannequins. Those, those right. poor people, and I'm sure the director told them, you know, just play it blank. Gene. Don't try and do anything. Gene, you know any twins, Gene? You got any twins in the old Rolodex? Or what about triplets? Wouldn't it be wild if we also had triplets and... God damn it. Are there any quadruplet actors out there? Is that is that even a thing? Listen, Majel made me swear I'd never speak to those triplets again after Las Vegas. I can't help you. Call, call. <laughs> you know, what's funny is like the, the juicy, what is it, the juicy, what are the girls, those? Uh, uh, oh, the Doublement the Doublement. Twins. Here's another 1980s commercial. The Doublement Twins girls, no offense, but they weren't the best actors, but they happened to be twins and, and were good looking enough to be in this commercial. I think it's a sign that just because you're a twin doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a really great actor uh, with your twin sister or brother. And I think that's what was going on here. What I want to note that I thought was kind of funny is that the way that they staged some of these scenes was weird yes. because clearly there's a shot where you've got three women together and they are triplets. There's yeah. no special mm -hmm. effects. They're all in the same shot together. But there's this other guy that they keep shooting. And I it says he's a triplet, but... They never shoot him with the other guys, like his, his brothers. I don't get it. You went to all this trouble to get three guys, and then you don't show them together. This part of the episode is so stiff anyway, yeah. and all their motions are unnatural. Well, they're supposed to be like that. When they go up to the Enterprise, and they have their conference up on the Enterprise, yes. there's a scene when Picard and Pulaski and Granger are walking out together. There was something about their body language. It was just so fake. It was almost like that was a rehearsal shot. And they just said, ah, it's good enough. Let's book it. Let's keep going. We got stuff to do. Usually, you know, Patrick Stewart, 
Danimal Dare. I mean, they're professionals. They don't stand as stiffly as that. And maybe it was that Granger dude that made him act that way. I don't know. Whenever you have multiple characters in shots like that, I mean, it's more troubles. It could have been that they couldn't get a really good take with the other with the with these twins or triplets or whatever the hell they were. The other actors playing these parts and they had to go with a crap shot because that's all they had. That part of the episode was pretty complicated because you have multiple locations, these different rooms and places that they're going in when they're down on that planet. It's the stuff that I keep saying, like, please, like, go somewhere. And they actually do go somewhere this time. And this whole sequence, for as stiff as these people are, there is a sense of danger that everybody that isn't on the show seems to be aware of. And so, you know, they're they're like... The Mariposans. Yeah, those guys. The Mariposans. When the Mariposans reveal what's going on in their planet, they want to take genetic material from people in the Enterprise. They want to actually clone people from the Enterprise. Because they find they find natural reproduction repugnant. That's a word they use a couple of times, repugnant. It's disgusting. Well, especially if it's so animal, so many fluids. I know, and it's it's so it's so funny for as earthbound as the other culture is, you know, embracing their Irish roots. These people have evolved in a few hundred years to not be even really humans anymore. And it's it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of silliness. But they haven't had sex in 300 years. And when they say that, that look on Riker's face is just, that's gold. <laughs> that's that's like solid gold. Because he, he had just, he has sex every 300 minutes. It was like 300 seconds ago. Right. That he had sex with Brenna, I'm, and he's just sitting there going, you haven't had in 300 years, huh, buddy? Riker, I, uh, Riker, no offense, but I'm not even sure you've cleaned up after meeting that girl back in your cabin. Number one, uh, there's a bar of Irish spring with that fresh, fresh scent in my shower. Go into my ready room and, and wash up, for God's sakes. Give your undercarriage a how's your father? Let's talk about strange new worlds. <laughs> I'm getting a whole new one. Off of you right here, Riker. Do we have some Benzites on board? I'm seeing a pink smoke coming up from Riker, from his crotchal area. When when they sit there and they say they want some tissue samples and Riker has like a fit over I it. I know. It would have been great if he said, I'll give you tissue samples. It's just not the way you expect it. I mean, Riker could populate that whole planet, right? right. I mean, he could, he could go ahead and take care of the whole problem single-handedly. You want me to handle this one, John Luke? I'll be back in a couple days. I'm going to O'Connor the shit out of this place. You watch. It is a creepy moment when they steal the tissue samples. Yes. I mean, you saw it, kind of saw it coming. There's a setup. Like They're like, are you sure? Are you absolutely sure that you don't want to share your samples with us? That you wouldn't mind us cloning? And we're absolutely sure. Absolutely. Okay. They reiterate this down on the planet, which is Mulder and Riker. And it's like, come on, Riker. How many times times has this happened to you, man? They zap them with some kind of phaser or some sort of laser. I don't know what it is. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I was laughing out loud because we haven't seen Riker get zapped all season. He still has it, man. He still has that skill because he gets zapped and it freezes them or something. It gives them like a there's like a blue yeah. ray, yeah, yeah. a blue kind of color that goes around them. I think we're supposed to assume that they're frozen. Riker gets zapped and he's still and he's got this great look on his face like, I remember it, man. I remember when I was... <laughs> Oh, not this again. <laughs> uh, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan, give me those bug eyes. Come on, you do it so good. 
Remember back in Arsenal of Freedom when you got zapped in that force field and you just stood there? <laughs> like when you, there's this one episode where you go, and you just stood there and looked like a goof? We also find out kind of interestingly that Jordy can tell when people are lying. Oh, my God. And that's, that's kind of like a fun fact. Like, okay, that makes sense. Are we ever going to see that again, Dave? I, I bet we won't, but I, it's like, why haven't we seen it so far? And I think that was cool. Why on earth wasn't Deanna Troy down there with them for this part of it? Because this is the kind of stuff that she could have been doing. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I got to tell you, man, this episode is so insulting to Deanna Troy and her role on that ship and her relationship with Jonathan Frakes. They've got this, is it an on and off again relationship? Is it a relationship on hold? Yeah. Is mm-hmm. it friend's relationship with Ross and Rachel where they're on a break. What's happening? He doesn't even have to check in with her. He's just like, I'm going to hook up with anybody I want to hook up with. That's my thing, man. Yeah, he's free. I guess. He's free, man. But then she's just sitting around in her hands all the time, not doing anything. And 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 what's, there's a funny, I couldn't, I tried to find it, but there's some deleted scenes like you mentioned, the, the wharf one. Riker, right after he does whatever he does with Brenna in his cabin, where he's on the bridge kind of basking in the his post-sex yeah, yeah. glow. And there's a shot yeah, yeah, yeah. you can find online. Well, I think we should post it because it's so embarrassing. And it's like Deanna Troy, she has this look on her face. Like she's so kind of miffed or insulted or hurt or something. And I mean, I'm glad they cut that out, that part at least. She doesn't have any agency in this situation with Riker. No. And by the way, she ends up like 30 years from now marrying the dude and having uh, kids with him. And they live happily ever after at some point. It is pretty much a double standard because she's not cutting an erotic swath through the galaxy the way he is because that would taint her character in some way. Right, you said right. taint. Does, and, 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 I thought we weren't saying that anymore. That would affect her character. Right. It would affect how people see her character, especially you know, in a moralistic sense, the, the kind of moralistic attitude and double standard that they have that he can go around and basically outrageously Akona whatever he wants to, but you don't see her doing the same thing. And as a matter of fact, the next episode, yeah, when Loxana Troy comes on, it's called Manhunt. Mm. She's she's going through a change of life and she's lusting after some men. Oh and it's it's comedy. It's oh meant God. as a comedy. And it's like it's so uncomfortable that Riker's lust is supposed to be completely acceptable. But Loxana's Troy's lust is is looked on as comedy. Well, we kind of touched on this a few episodes back about this kind of future relationship behavior possibilities with Pulaski and her three husbands being so yes. comfortable yes. with her, her three divorcees. She's still friends with them all. Mm-hmm. And this episode does touch on this stuff, too, because they play around with this idea that when these two peoples are going to meet up, they're going to have to take on like three wives each, right? Three wives and, and three husbands. I mean, they're basically... It's going to be a giant polygamous colony. Right. And to to repopulate the planet. And when I heard that, and then I thought about Riker's behavior, I don't know. Is the show trying to be more progressive about sexuality and relationships in the future? And they're trying to say to us, hey, you know, the way that we're living now back here in 1989 isn't going to necessarily be the way that future people live and are happy. Is that the frame? Because we bump up against it a couple times, especially here in this episode. But I I think it's a problem when you have this double standard with Troy, too, as being this kind of side person, this emotional crutch for Riker. And then he can hook up with anybody he wants to when she's not able to do the same thing. I 
have a hard time thinking that they're they're trying to be sexually liberated here, especially because they're so leering about it, right? I mean, there's there's definitely yeah. a, a kind of wink wink, like, isn't that great? We're gonna be able to be polygamous. Well, and and Brenna at first is is offended by the yeah. idea. And then she gets in her head like, hey, you think this Granger guy's got some money? Well, if he has money, and that's even more offensive. It is offensive. And, it, and it's also what happens with her dad. At first, he's not keen to it because he can't really get it. And they communicate to him, look, you get to have three wives. And he's like, hey, where are my three wives right now? I'm going to go find them. Yeah. And so then he's all you know, into this. And then his daughter finds this offensive for you know the opposite reasons. And, and yeah, that's a pretty terrible way of wrapping it up for their culture. Speaking of wrapping it up... I feel like we have talked this episode today. <laughs> Do you, well, let me ask you this. Do you think Riker wrapped it up when he hooked up with <laughs> Brenna? Do you think there was any... Any rascal rapping? Right. I just wonder, what do you think uh, Enterprise condom is like? Do you think they use those, or do you think they <laughs> sterilize them somehow? It's a sterile force field. Or it's one of those wraps, yeah. like when... Remember when they had those kids come up for the planet in oh, yeah. uh, Unnatural Selection? And they wrapped him in some the shit. Glad wrap. Yeah, they glad wrap it. That's it. Just try to imagine this. Okay. He has this little uh, uh, command that he, like a whistle, he goes, <whistles> and those little dancing girls come out of his uh, dresser drawer with, <laughs> with, the, with the condom and they, and they put it on for him. <laughs> I think what actually happens is there's like little phasers at, at the tip of his urethra. They auto-target his spermatozoa. That's wonderful. You're welcome. That's that whole phaser range. There's a little spermatozoa flying by. Watch out. Yeah. Let's pretend we're on the tip of your penis, Riker. <laughs> They're coming at us from every angle. Just imagine That's why it. Picard's got his hand out like that. He's like, keep them, right. keep them, keep them back. Keep right. them back. Don't, don't let any of them touch me, Riker. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think we've had enough of, I think we've had enough of this episode. Did you know where the title of this tortured title came from yeah it's some sort of some sort of song up the long ladder down the short rope or something yeah it's an irish some charming irish ditty i thought it was supposed to be like dna like yeah i agree i thought i always thought it was the same thing until i i was reading up on this episode i was like oh you don't mean that ladder i don't know i mean maybe you know this is a double meaning and all that but i'd like to tell everybody that we have a beautiful website Oh, we That's do. chock full of all of these episodes. So we beautiful. are almost two seasons into this thing with some bonus episodes in there, too. So beautiful. At TNGEEZ.com. Yeah. Aren't we also on uh, Facebook? Oh, yeah. And um, all those places, Twitter and all the places that you see that. And Instagram. Uh, that, and if you go to the website, stuff. you'll see a little thing where you can follow us on all the social medias. Because you know what they what call they, those things? What they call those? There's some goddamn buttons, Andrew. Oh, buttons. I like those little buttons. You know, we don't post as much stuff as we should because, you know, busy. We'll do more, I swear. I promise I feel so bad about it. Andrew, I'm so guilty. Go ahead, wrap so, it up. You're trying so hard, and I'm just not letting you I'm ready you do to it. do it, man. So you've been listening to ST, TNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. And who are you? I'm... Okay. I'm Commander Davey Dave, signing out. And I'm Ambassador Andrew, doing everything he can to make sure we don't wrap up this episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for your help. 
I just never wanted to end. <laughs> so sad. It's it's hard to say goodbye, Riker. Don't make me go back to my life. Say goodbye to the Irish chick. Goodbye, Irish spring. Foodaloo. What I love is that this woman that he hooks up with who's so fascinated with him and he's so engaged with, she just leaves his ship and he has nothing to say to her. She's gone. That's oh, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. He's not like, oh, hey, by the way, honey, I need to get my T-shirt back. Or anything like Mate. that. You know, there's there's nothing. I know. If I'm ever on this side of the galaxy again, you think there's a little extra room on your dance card for a second in command? On your river dance card? You are going to have three husbands. Isn't there room for one more? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, let's go mind the store. I don't know about you, but my Blarney Stone is all worn out after that episode. With any luck, the next episode will be completely different. Oh no, it's that one. Manhunt! Of course, she's back. Yes, the boss's wife, and, and you know, is just like, Damn it, she's my wife! Make her look good! Caw! Caw! <laughs> Deanna Troy's mom comes on board and things go... Wickety whack! They're definitely goofing on her in this. They're, she's kind of written to be made fun of. They make mock of her, Dave. They make mock of her. Superstar Mac Fleetwood joins the Enterprise. And he is a he is a tall drink of water, Mick Fleetwood. You mean in real life he is, not when he's wearing a fish outfit. Dave and Andrew go deep, deep trek when they talk about the original number one. They didn't even keep Yeoman Rand around past the first season of Star <laughs> Trek because they wanted Kirk to be fancy free. God only knows what they would have done to number one. And you know, Commander Riker has some interesting theories on first contact. Hey, this is nothing. I've had some Pythias Claw and, and a whole yeah. plate of steaming gawk. And, and hey, uh, listen, would you mind if I had intercourse with you when we're done? Look out, Jean-Luc. Somebody's mommy's on the prowl. Whoa, hold there. Here she comes. Watch out, Jean-Luc. It's a manhunt. <laughs> so Jean-Luc decides that what he's going to do is he's going to he's gonna make a run for it. He's going to hide from Loaxana. I'm getting the hell out of here, number one. On the next episode of STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. Absolutely. Oh. Okay.